You are listening to Proudly Resents. Oh, reason. I, I can't even hear you. Hi, this is Sammy Wazell. Uh, proudly Resents. The Cult Movie Podcast. The Adam's Biggest Men Show. To all you Proudly Resents listeners out there, just remember, you can't set that hospitality. I want Proudly Resents. I'm Adam Spiegelman. I am driving late at night, back from bad movie night, and uh, I was going to record with those guys, but they started watching uh, Trapped in the Closet, and I didn't think they'd want to stop, so, and I need to get home, but I wanted to talk about the film we watched tonight. We try to watch Yoga Hosers, which is only on one um, streaming service called, like, Flix Nix, or I've never heard of it. Uh, it was uh, really... Not a good film. Not a lot of fun. Uh, I know he gets to Kevin Smith's film with his daughter and Johnny Depp and Johnny Depp's daughter. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't, um, trying to be nice about it because I'm a fan of his, I guess. I don't know. I would not, I would not, I would not see that film. Sam, I am. Uh, in a house with a fox in a box, maybe, but, uh, otherwise. Anywho, then we watch this movie, this gem Ken Osborne found, uh, called Hollywood Musical. Hollywood Musical is made by a guy who made a movie called Untitled Romantic Comedy, I think it was called. Anyway, be in the show notes, I'm sure. He, uh, he made a movie a, a while ago about a guy who's dating an invisible woman. All right. Apparently it was really bad. And you can see she's reading a newspaper, the invisible woman, and you can see the gaffer or whoever underneath moving the newspaper around while she's reading the newspaper, this invisible woman and him just walking around with his arm out laughing. So this movie is a satire on Hollywood and how shitty Hollywood is and how shitty Hollywood people are. And it's about a group of people. It's like the movie Magnolia. Except, uh, as Adam Felber pointed out, they all have the same goals. You know, they all want to make it in Hollywood and they all can't and they're all pissed. And they break out into song once in a while. Some of them can sing. A couple people really, really can sing and a couple people cannot sing at all. Uh, it was a shocker, and they just seemed to be available. So the guy, the writer, directed the film, starts out, he plays Sally Struthers' personal assistant, and she fires him. It's two ways to look at it. Either she fires him because he's too good, or he fires him because he's only worried thinking about him in his own head. She says, like, you organize things in such a good way, because he's so good, you're not going to say anything bad about the guy. He's, he wrote the script. It's about himself. You organize it so well that I can't find anything. She had a funny, actually, it was a very funny line. I don't want to be a dick, but it was funny. Like, actually, it was funny, but it was really funny. Um, she said, I need to get my nail fixed, and you put my woman's name under manicurist, and I usually look on, I put her under fingernail lady. And uh, that was funny. So she fires him, and she says she wrote his script, but she has no idea what it's about. And I don't know if it's because his script was so bad 
or that she just didn't get it. And she keeps saying, you're a bad film writer. And he's like, no, no, you should take a class. And he says, no, no, no. I've been doing this for 20 years. But as Kent pointed out, I'm doing a one-man show about this film. As Kent pointed out, it's like saying, this brownie tastes like shit. And you're like, you should take cooking lessons. And you're like, oh, no, no. I've been baking for 30 years. Yes, but it still tastes like shit. You're not good at it. So there's all these different stories. One character is the writer, Alexander Black. Uh, another character um, is a frustrated screenwriter who's based on Alexander Black because he wrote a movie called Untitled Romantic Comedy. And uh, I think my biggest problem with the film is that everybody... They're not making it, and nothing to do with their talent level for the characters. They're not making it not because they're not talented, but it's because Hollywood is so stupid and they don't get it. Or, you know, about how talented they are. But you watch this movie and you're like, hey, a lot of you are not that talented. Like I said, there's a couple of great singers. Uh, the one with the dark hair, the one with the red hair. But uh, a lot of them can't sing or act. And you're like, well, that's probably why you didn't Get the part. And so this woman does an audition, and it's so good they don't notice an audition. They think she's really having a breakdown, but it's her character having a breakdown. And she stops her audition, and she says, no, no, it's me, the character having a breakdown. I'm not having a breakdown, which is exactly what I would do if I realized I'm having a breakdown. And they're like, hey, uh, you got to leave. And I'll be like, oh, no, 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 I'm not really having a breakdown. But then they're like, well... You're so good, but you're, she's like, you're so good, but you don't fit the part. But I feel like, because I've been on both sides of this, and, and I think this is something relatable to job interviews or whatever. If you're not right for what they're looking for, no matter how good you are, it doesn't matter. And that sucks. And on that note, I have to go to the supermarket and get some milk. Hi, I'm John Water. Hi, this is Dolph Lundgren. Hi, I'm Lance Henriksen. Hi, this is Keith Gordon. Robert Kuhn. Miguel Ferrer. This is Nancy Allen. Robert Davi. Richard Elfman. Ileana Douglas. Patrick Warburton. Dwingshauser. Cliff DeYoung. Steve Railsback. Mr. D. William Cass. If you haven't been listening to the Projection Booth podcast, you're missing out. Each week, the Projection Booth brings you in-depth discussions of some of the most interesting movies ever made. I'm Mike White. No, the other one. I'm the guy who wrote the film fanzine Cashiers to Cinemart since 1994. Since early 2011, I've been co-hosting the Projection Booth podcast. Try us, won't you? I never try anything. I just do it. Visit the Projection Booth at projection-booth.com. Hello. Hey, so it turns out Ralph's is closed at one. And you say, but why are there all these cars parked in the lot? I don't know. But I can tell you the car behind me with the kids giggling uh, is definitely hotboxing because you sm smell a lot of weed coming out of that car. Uh, the, oh, so this movie, we were talking about Hollywood Musical, which is on Amazon Prime. So you're like, well, that's an accomplishment in itself that you got distribution on a streaming service a major streaming service, more bigger than Yoga Hosers. 
Um, but it also makes me want to cancel Amazon Prime. That's how bad this film is. It's like, why am I spending a hundred bucks a year so we can indulge in this guy's fucking shitty art? Sorry. You know, it's a connoisseur of films that go haywire. I don't know. I can't put it up there in the canon of Neil Breen. Or obviously the great Tommy Wiseau. But because... I don't know. I think... I I have that uh, little anger about people who are shitty towards Hollywood. Like, I'm not going to say I had have an easy time working in show business, navigating it. It sucks, but there's a certain amount, I guess, for when I am on the other side, someone doesn't get a part or something, and um, and I'm to blame as the man. It's like, well, there's other factors, and I don't know. You don't want to blame other people. So that, that part of the film kind of bothered me, and the fact that the uh, it's about a filmmaker who can't get made because people only want to make blockbusters. I mean, God forbid, when you ask some, somebody for their money to make a movie, they want to make the money back, and then some. You know, show business, not show crappy movie. And so that kind of weirded me out, too. Yeah, of course they're not going to make your shitty movie. It just sucks, but... So the the, um, the struggling screenwriter character is struggling because his girlfriend's like, listen, just write a shitty movie so you can make money. And he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. So he's struggling. And in another funny scene, he finally pitches the shittiest movie he can think of, and they're like, oh, we love it, but we already made it. And that actually happened to me once. Uh, I was pitching at USA Network, and I heard, like, they all they want to do is have a show that's, like, blind date meets something else, or something ridiculous meets something ridiculous. So he didn't like my ideas, and I was annoyed, because I think I'm a genius, and he, there's something wrong with him. They didn't like my ideas, so I was like, well, here you go. Here's blind date meets blah, blah, blah. And I pitched exactly what I was told this guy wanted. And he stopped and he was like, yeah, we finally made that pilot and it bombed big time. Three weeks later, that guy was fired. Lesson there. I don't know. They're going to, people make their own crap. They don't need you to tell them where to find crap. So in terms of filmmaking of Hollywood, the musical, you know, it was obviously shot on uh, high 8 or some kind of Super 8 video camera system. It was released in 2015, copyrighted 2013, but the technology and the L.A. location scream, I don't know, 2007, 2005, uh, you know, they have... Um, the old Sunset 5 movie theater, the Lemley, which uh, home of The Room, where The Room originated. A lot of great films were shown there. Anyway, they do a, um, a scene where, towards the end, the main um, screenwriting character who wants to sell out desperately, he works at a place where he polls people about movies. 
which seems like that and you learn about how to write a movie because you're pulling what people want to see. So you think that would be a perfect, if you just listen to, you literally, your job is to listen to people and find out what they want to see in a movie. And you're a screenwriter who can't get a screenplay made because no one wants to make it. But you know what people want. But he won't, he refuses to do that. And when he tries in a half-hearted way, it backfires because he's too good at even being a sellout. He's so good at being a sellout that someone's already sold, been sold out and that's it. Anyway, so he's doing a, um, did a screening of a foreign film apparently and he asked people questions. And of course, just the people in the audience are just so dumb, man. They're like, I didn't get the subtitles. I don't like to read subtitles. Well, guess what? Some people don't like to read subtitles. I have to have them up on Netflix anyway because I can't turn them off and I can't stop reading them. That's just me, but I get it. Sometimes you don't want to read freaking subtitles. That's the issue there. And he's at the Lemley Sunset 5 back in the day and runs out of there when he quits and realizes he's got to pursue his dream. And when he goes to tell his girlfriend that he quit to, to pursue his dream, he does a Jar Jar Binks impression, which is bizarre. I don't know why. But the whole scene, he just does as Jar Jar, literally as Jar Jar Binks. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to dispute that, even the actor. Uh, and then he gets his screenplay sold. And when the woman buys his screenplay, she stamps it. That's how you know that she bought it. That's how they do it in Hollywood. All right. Uh, truth of the matter is, I just pulled it to my house. It's one sixteen in the morning. I'm going to bed, and I'll continue this in the morning. But you will continue this almost immediately. Thanks for listening to Proudly Resents. Make a comment or suggest a film at reachadam at mac.com or on our comment line. Ready? Get a pencil. (laughs) I'll wait. Okay, got one? Okay, 646-481-5476. Keep it clean and short. We might air it. Join us on Facebook or be old school and go to our website, proudlyresents.com. If you like the show, put the episode up on your Twitter, Facebook, stumble upon, dig, you know, all those things. Tell a friend, I'm Eddie Pepitone, and my Twitter account is at Eddie Pepitone. Hey, it's the morning. Uh, had a good night. I did not have a good night's sleep. But uh, over that couple hours of sleep, I don't know if you can hear the coffee maker percolating in the background. I uh, had a change of feeling about the film. I had said last night that the film was written, directed, edited, produced, and featured uh, Alexander Black, B-L-A-A-C-K. Well, this morning I realized I was wrong. It's Alexander Back, B-A-A-K-C-K. I had uh, one extra L. So it was Alexander Bag. So my mistake. Um, I really found this movie fascinating. Well, you know, you say, well, how dare you put down this film? It's, you know, a guy's personal project. But it's on Amazon Prime, so it's a professional film. And I'm sure his intent was it to be a professional film. Uh, you know, 
I think he wanted to put in festivals. He sent his last film, or his first film, Untitled Love Story, was at Slamdance, or sent to Slamdance, which is how uh, I found out about it. Another weird thing, I'm jumping around, a lot of weird things about this movie. Um, it's in a very L.A. movie, so if you like L.A. back in the early 2000s, even though it came out in 2015, we had said before about the Lemley Theater, um, it was the old, he also, one guy got caught look, very slowly getting caught on Match.com on uh, one of those Apple's computers with uh, the base. Uh, I know I'm supposed to be a nerd, but I don't know any of this. I don't remember the name. It's the first flat screen Mac, um, but old school Mac. So it's got to be a while ago. And the guy's on a regular house phone making phone calls. So I guess it is what it is. So it was shot a while ago and came out in 2015. Um, yeah, so there's a, a movie executive. This is a pretty tricky piece of filmmaking. One of the characters, so there's like five or six different characters like Magnolia. Uh, like Magnolia, there's also plagues, but instead of raining frogs, it's the movie. Yay. Oh, oh and uh, Alexander's name. Uh, I said it was Alexander Black. It's... I was wrong. Like Christmas, there's Noel. Kitty, did you hear that? Noel? Yeah. Uh, okay. All right, everyone. Yeah. But, all right, you're right. You're right. I thought I wasn't going to have a guest. Wow. Sorry, now I got to pet the cat to keep talking. Whoa! Oh, so there's a there's six characters, and one of them is a, a movie executive. <laughs> you serious, kitten? This is uh, actually appropriately enough. My cat Liz, who likes to ruin everything for everybody, she's the one who will poop in the house or make noise while you're doing a podcast. So the six characters: one is a movie executive. Now, how do we know she's a movie executive that works at Paramount? Well. What the filmmaker did was show the gates of Paramount, which is on Melrose, a busy street. Busy over there mostly because of Paramount and uh, Raleigh Studios. And they show a car leaving the gate. like So the car's already gotten out of the gate. He's obviously shooting from the street. And um, so they shoot that car. So you think, oh, they, that person works at Paramount. But then the woman who, the character, the woman is driving past that car. So it it creates an optical illusion in your mind that she works at Paramount. But the rest of the film, she's taking meetings with her subordinates and and other things uh, in her house by the pool. Even when they show her office finally at the end because she approves the guy's script by putting a stamp on it, it's uh, in a home office. All right, you know, it's low budget. But it's just kind of funny. No explanation why we're at a pool and not in an office. We'll take that. I guess it's Hollywood. Who likes to work in Hollywood? But she comes home to find her husband looking at a Match.com page of his. And he just kind of like says, yeah, I'm doing it. Uh, what? Almost like, yeah, I told you I was going to buy a, a new fridge. You know, he's just like, yeah, I'm on Match.com. Whatever. You can do it too. And she's furious and sings a song and throws him out. 
But apparently he's a filmmaker that can't find work because he's too good. Again, like everyone else, he's too old and he's too good and no one wants to hire somebody old and good. And, um, which makes me sad. <laughs> Brother's got to work. But so she throws him out and she, he, so he's a filmmaker. She's a movie executive at Paramount. But uh, so the houses in this place are really incredible for a movie about people who are struggling. They really live well, which by the way, is one of the things I like about, oh, liked about LA was that you can live like a human being. But that statement, you can live in LA like a human being, have a nice place, uh, is pretty dated as well, just like the Mac the guy used because uh, rents here are going crazy. But so, because the opening song is called Hell A, and the guy sings about how much he hates LA after he, uh, Sally Struthers fires him. I guess that would be bitter too. And how much is he paying her assistant? Really? 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 Okay. So he just thinks about how LA is shitty, but I really like it here. At one time, you know, you could live here pretty well, like a human. But now real estate's going crazy. Having said that, they shoot, which is just a weird jarring. They pick somebody up in front of a building. And the building happens to be the building I lived in for 12 years. Uh, when I, a lot of people do that. A lot of people do this in LA, I guess. You get a place or anywhere else and you just kind of live there forever. <laughs> and, uh, I was a bachelor for a long time. My rent started out at 800 and by the time I left 12 years later, it was 1100. It was a one bedroom with a balcony, great location. I loved it. Left kicking and screaming. But, um, but it was just weird to see, cause it, it's weird just to see your house, you know, like, hey, when did they shoot this movie in front of my house? And I'm guessing I was still living there because it was a while ago. But I looked it up, and I, I guess the houses on my block are being knocked down and they're putting up uh, huge apartment buildings, high costs. Because if you're an upper-class white person, where are you going to live? Where are you going to spend all your disposable income? So that statement about L.A., that's my political statement today. This is an insane town. Now it's going to be really impossible to live like Brooklyn. Thanks, white people. Oh, see? Giving the cat a little pet. Now she's happy. The same woman that's such a good actress that they can't find a part for her, She before she goes to the audition, she has this life-changing moment with her boyfriend where she pretends that she's pregnant and he gets real excited. And then when she says, oh, I was just acting, he... Now, this is the problem with the actor, I'll be honest. I don't like to shit on these movies, but... I couldn't read the actor because she gets real upset that once he finds out that she was only acting and she's not pregnant, that he was super excited or super relieved. I don't know. I, I just, the guy didn't, didn't make me feel like the guy didn't want to have kids. It just felt like the guy was like, Oh, you're acting. That's what I didn't read that he was disappointed. I read that he was like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. All right. All right. What was he supposed to do? So they get in a huge fight. And, and again, a problem with the film is the eye lines don't match. So when he does a single of her, she's looking left. And when he's a single of him, he's looking left. So they're not looking at each other and he's right. And she's right. So they have this fight where they're not looking at each other, they're looking in different directions and the music starts. And then the song doesn't happen. And she walks down the stairs and cries. So, uh, I guess we get the point of that. So do I recommend this movie? I do. 
I don't really recommend it, on, again, on the level of Neil Breen, who is at a high level of good, bad filmmaking. Sorry, Neil. But this, uh, you know, it's in and out of focus. It's um, it's amateur. Uh, it's fun to watch old school L.A. if you want to see an L.A. back when you can live here. The songs, uh, like I said, a couple of the women are really good, good singers. I'll put that in the show notes, uh, who they are. And, and in the show notes, too, if there's anything that comes up later, I'll bold it or uh, put afterthoughts just so you can find out more stuff. Because sometimes I'll record an episode and then more stuff will come to me and uh, I won't be able to go back and put it in the recording. How is this solo project for you listening to this at home? You like it? Is it weird? It's hard for me to do. So I'm trying to do it. I don't know. I just, I always feel like, I think I've said this before, but I just feel like I'm leaving an awkward phone message for you. So this is a very long phone message. You got to get another cassette and put it in. And I like the, the moral of the story. I've, well, the moral of the story is if you can't get work, it's because you're too good. But I felt like the real moral was at the end, they have a big song and dance number. Like just live your life. Like this woman that, dumped her boyfriend because he didn't want to have kids. She ends up meeting a guy very conveniently at the end of the film, which kind of annoyed me. The The frumpy acting teacher and her have coffee, so I'm like, oh, he's, the hot chicks can get on with the frumpy acting teacher. I can appreciate that as a frumpy guy. And then uh, he brings over his super handsome friend, and the two of them hook up, and they go on this date at Griffith Park. Again, location stolen. Uh, and there, he he's wearing a vest and a, red, a really weird red shirt, and a tie, and she's wearing an evening dress, and they're just walking around Griffith Park. Terrible, by the way, for hiking. I mean, great for nighttime. And Adam Felber kept making the joke that they were cater waiters, and they were doing an event <laughs> while during the date they are picking up glasses. Uh, they sing a song, they fall in love, and so at the end number, all the people come together, and I guess she has a realization, the um, struggling filmmaker gets his movie sold. So it's not like he had a realization he, that life, it, the realization I'm saying is, uh, live your life. Don't try to, don't try to live your life for other, for this elusive success. But so that's, I think her lesson. And then the independent filmmaker that can't sell a script fails at selling out and then sells a script to the woman who got cheated on. And she has epiphany that she needs to make good movies. So, so, I don't know. And then, I'm so confused right now. Anyway, they all end up in a field. I don't know where the field is. I never lived there. And they're all wearing white and dancing. Now, when I say they're all wearing white, 90% of them are wearing white. A couple of people are wearing beige, which I think is hilarious because you know they showed up out in the middle of Rancho Cucamonga or wherever they are, were. And uh, they're like, I told you to wear white. I, I told you I didn't have white. I told you to wear white. All right. I guess we'll have to figure it justify your character likes to wear beige. But even the director wasn't wearing white. He had a white t-shirt, but he had a beige shirt over it. And I thought that was weird. He should just wear white. It's his thing. All right. Well, let me know what you think of the solo cast. So if you're new to the show, this is not normal. This is not a normal show. I don't usually, the host isn't just talking into a receiver of a phone. Oh, nothing to say, Kat? 
So there's always great guests, Steve Agee, Todd Levin, uh, Adam Felber's done a few great shows. My brother, Mike Spiegelman. What? Mike Spiegelman? Yeah, the Mike Spiegelman. I got him. I got him. Mike Spiegelman was on, and we talked about Beverly Hills Cop 3, and it was part of Podcroll, two other podcasts. Hey, do you remember? And does this have legs? They did Beverly Hills Cop 1, then 2, and then we did 3. That's fascinating. So check them out. Go to our website, proudlyresents.com, or go to iTunes. iTunes. Thanks a lot for listening. I appreciate it. That's enough of this interview, Adam.